From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's podcast features special guest, Dr. Bob Habig of Westfield Premier Physicians. We had about 4,500 patients, and we could no longer take care of that many patients. And that was a quandary, and that was, uh, we knew going to be a painful aspect uh, of reducing our practice size. But we came to the conclusion, either we retire and we quit, and we become no doctors for no one, or we reduce our patient size and practice the direct primary care where we could be a great set of doctors to fewer patients. And now, here's your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Americana for this very special episode, too. I'm your host, Christopher Habig. And this is the podcast where we're trying to redefine what healthcare really means in that relationship between a patient and a physician. Today's show, I'm joined by a very special guest, a uh, friend of mine, a client, and my dad, Dr. Bob Habig. Nice to be here. Thank you for asking me. It's a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. You're one of the first people that we had lined up to, to do this, and uh, it wouldn't come with surprise that I know you better than anybody else we've ever worked with, obviously, and and Freedom Health Works and us getting involved in the direct primary care movement was really attributed to you and, and, and your professional story when you sat us, uh, my siblings and I, down a couple of years ago and said, guys, I can't do this anymore. And we said, well, wait a minute. What if, what if there's a better way to practice medicine? And after a couple of years, we're like, you know what? We're going to get you in front of everybody. We're going to get you talking to patients. And we're going to see how your patients are doing within your practice. Pick your brain as far as that goes. And here's some nice stories about it. Uh, the good and the bad. Uh, whether it's mistakes that have been made and some cool stories I know are happening. So I'm excited uh, to chat here for the next next few minutes or so. Okay, well, I am excited. too. And I, I attribute really the, the whole reason I'm still in practice uh, is to really uh, that conversation we had years ago. Because when I started back in 1980 in the Westfield community, I loved it. I grew up there. We had some uh, farming as a family there. And I just, uh, it was a place I wanted to practice my family practice. And I, I, I love the idea. I always love science and love people and talking with folks and so forth. And for 36 years, um, we hung in there, it changed drastically. It got to the point where it, it was no fun. It, it was really a chore every day to pull through and see that many patients. And we were ready to quit. Uh, I say we, my uh, wife, your mom is uh, an internal medicine specialist, and she'd been in practice even a year uh, longer than I was. But we were, we were very tired. We were exhausted. Uh, we were spent. Um, we were, uh, medicine had evolved into seeing uh, over 30 patients a day uh, because of uh, uh, the business side of medicine had changed. It uh, become owned by uh, hospitals, by insurance companies. Um, you're no longer an independent soul uh, dealing with each and every patient, having the ability to uh, diagnose, uh, treat, prescribe, proper imaging, diagnostics. Uh, these are all in the hands of insurance companies, and it became, the in every patient, uh, the idea of asking the insurance company if you could practice good medicine that you knew was what you were trained for. Yeah, and it seems like these days we hear the words healthcare and health insurance 
almost as the same term. And I know professionally and personally that I have a problem with that um, because healthcare does not equal health insurance. And so what you just said was when the insurance companies and with other people who are not physicians, who aren't technically present in that exam room, start to get a voice, what does that do to your practice? It, it really destroys your rapport with your patient. Um, I uh, described it as over the years, uh, the uh, insurance companies, and by the way, we, we need insurance. Uh, uh, we've got to have it. We encourage everyone, obviously, to have it. Well, they're definitely but, the villain in this story, so don't, you know, don't, <laughs> don't say that too loud. It is. But <laughs> catastrophic and accidents do happen, and, and disease processes do. No matter how uh, well you take care of a patient, there are disease processes and accidents. That, and we do need that catastrophic type insurance. But um, over the years, insurance became um, a, a larger and larger item in, in the office. I often described them as starting off uh, when I started back in the uh, 80s as uh, uh, more like an organ grinder a monkey in the room and kind of cute and really didn't cause any nuisance or problems. And over the years, this, this thing uh, became a chimpanzee and then a, a larger gorilla. And in the last 10 years, uh, it has taken over the exam room because every question, every uh, idea, test, image, lab tests, medication you have to use on patients, you have to turn to this great big ape in the room, the insurance company, and say, may I please do this for this patient? And, and you'd have to get their nod. And if you didn't, you'd turn to them again, plead and plead and plead. So mm -hmm. uh, it took the conversation away from the patient-doctor, really hurt the patient-doctor relationship. Yeah, so what does that do when... I've heard you mention before, when you started out in 1980, sometimes you had two or three patients and you're just starting out of practice, but you would take as long as you needed, as long as they needed, let me say that, uh, in the exam room. Fast forward to 2015 before you launched Westfield Premier Physicians and your own direct primary care practice, where you're getting down, you're getting home, you're exhausted, you're getting down to 30 patients, 25 to 45 patients, somewhere in there and you're spending less than 10 minutes in a room, how does that affect your, I don't like the word quality, but your ability to treat somebody in a satisfactory manner? And how are the patients viewed in that type of relationship? I think uh, I, the, the word to describe both sides of the patient-doctor relationship uh, is frustration. It's uh, absolute frustration. Um, the patients with 30 people or plus a day um, ran late, uh, long waiting rooms, uh, times in the waiting rooms, um, very frustrated, had other things to do, much more than sitting in a doctor's uh, waiting room um, reading old magazines. Uh, we tried to keep ours fresh, huh? but uh, still they got old. <laughs> Get sometimes. a Sports Illustrated from five years ago in That's there, and a People magazine, it's all crinkly. It's, it's the same everywhere. That's right. But it was very frustrating, and we were frustrated. Um, uh, as seeing these patients as we got further and further behind because I'll defy anyone and there are brighter, smarter, more talented doctors than I am, I'm sure out there however, what I now have on them and I've regained is the time with patients and we all lost that we lost the time because of lowering re reimbursement um, uh, the demands if you were owned by a hospital or insurance, and many doctors are these days, unfortunately, more like indentured servants. 
But you were forced to see so many people a day. If not, you were reprimanded, and they still are. These established, mm-hmm. long-term doctors are reprimanded for not seeing more patients or ordering too many tests uh, on these patients if they're owned by an insurance company. So it was frustrating all the way around. Our staff to, was frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. You have to order tests to prove that you're actually creating value in that type of a system. Always laugh. There is no, there's no billing code for curing somebody. That's right. There's no billing code for keeping somebody healthy. Fast forward, so you flipped the switch. Winter of 2016, created Westfield Premier Physicians. And talk about that from your patient standpoint, because at first, there was a lot of confusion going on. You're, you're a relatively new adopter of the direct primary care model. How was that received from your patients? And then how did that change as they got to see, holy cow, I get to form a doctor-patient relationship again with a trusted physician, who understands me, understands my family's needs. How has that evolved from the patient standpoint? Um, We uh, had decision uh, point. Um, And we say we. I have a partner, um, uh, Dr. Mary Pat Forkin, uh, who's been uh, with me since uh, 1989. Uh, My uh, wife, uh, Dr. Lane, uh, was in Lebanon, and she joined us uh, in 2009. And we have a very, very good nurse practitioner, Carla Erickson. But between the, all of us, we had about 4,500 patients, and we could no longer take care of that many patients. And that was a quandary, and that was, uh, we knew it was going to be a painful aspect uh, of reducing our practice size. But we came to the conclusion, either we retire and we quit, and we become no doctors for no one. Mm-hmm. Or we reduce our patient size and practice the direct primary care where we could be a great set of doctors to fewer patients. So we announced that, and we met at the local high school auditorium up at Westfield, and we basically rented that for four different nights. And we invited all our patients to come in, and we um, had mics on, and we basically explained very much what we're talking about tonight, why we had to make this move. Uh, we were beat up, we were tired, like every doctor out there, and there was a threat of losing us uh, as their family physician. And again, we explained we couldn't take everyone, but we wanted to be great doctors for those uh, who like to follow us into this new model of practice. And we told them that our plan was to go from uh, reducing 30 patients a day, 8 to 10 minute visits, running late, no time with the patients, uh, running our cells ragged, our staff ragged. We're going to reduce that to seeing 10 to 12 patients a day, being in the office the same number of hours, which meant that our visits now, and they still are today after uh, two and a half years, are at least 30 minutes long and up to 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. There is no wait time. Everyone is on time. We're relaxed. We're comfortable. We get to the bottom of the problems and the diagnosis are made. That's amazing. And, and, and all throughout that, I'm thinking this is a totally different patient experience than what people are usually used to. So give me the quick intro of when somebody walks into your office as a new patient, what happens? What do you do to completely blow them away and drive home that this is a different type of a doctor's office? Over again and again, I, get, I walk in the exam room and they say, Dr. Haber, I didn't have time to sit down. I walked in. And your staff called me back. I said, did you get a free cup of coffee? That's always on. You can come by any time. And they said, well, I will on my way out. That's okay. I said, take a couple. It's the coffee that's the selling point, right? I think that's it's the coffee. The, that's right. always I the think one. it is the coffee, right? <laughs> uh, 
in fact, we had 30 uh, waiting room uh, chairs that we had to get rid of. Uh, we didn't need them anymore. We don't use them anymore. We have a couch and two uh, uh, very nice lounge chairs uh, that are actually seldom used. We all run on time. The patients know we run on time. A lot of them come a little early to use the Wi-Fi. That's free for them, of course, out there. Um, in fact, we have a guy who walks in the park next to us, and he um, even when he doesn't have a appointment, he stops in and gets a free cup of coffee. He says hi to everybody, and we love it. <laughs> the perks of being uh, a member. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. Uh, but that's, that's the first thing they say is, wow, um, it's so nice and quiet. Everybody's calm, and I didn't even sit down in the waiting room. I'm in the exam room, and you're here with me. It's like... You are a physician, you're highly experienced, highly educated, as all a lot of physicians out there. But to turn the table around and tell your patients that you value their time too, I can imagine that resonating pretty well. They, they, they love it. Uh, and it's, it's gaining uh, and letting them know we respect them. And we always did. And we always apologize for running hour, two hours late. Um, and if they had another appointment, had to leave and cancel, uh, we try to call them and again, apologize. Um, uh, no, it, it's a wonderful feeling because they know we respect them. And um, we, we sit, we're eye to eye. Um, uh, in, in fact, the design of uh, offices was a stand up, and, and I'm sure a lot of patients that might be listening to this know that the doctor has a stand up desk in the exam room. The only reason for a stand up desk was uh, the fact that it got you, it got you uh, moving quicker. You didn't have to sit down. Um, and uh, now all ours are nice and low. We sit eye to eye. So you couldn't relaxed. relax either. The patient's not relaxed. Right. The doctor's not relaxed. That's right. I can see how that could be a potential issue in really trying to get to the roots. I always say medicine is a calling, and obviously knowing you very well, that that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're the guy who you travel with a, a suture kit. On it, or you, you're first one up if somebody has an issue in a restaurant out in public, that type of a person. And that's what we really want from our physicians, and that's what we always think about. But hearing you talk about walking to an exam room, you don't even have time to stand up. They don't have time to get all their questions apart. How is that? It's almost like they'd be better off, they'd get more personal care from you if they would have fallen over in a restaurant than they would to actually go to your office. Well, that's well said. That's exactly right. It, got, it, it, it really got to that point where it was simply Band-Aid type uh, medicine. That's all you could do. Uh, is treat the, the, the current problem. Uh, and they said, oh, by the way, I have this and this problem there too. You'd say, we're, we're out of time today. Uh, we'll have to reschedule that some other day. And again, they come back another day, wait a long time and, and be behind. Three now, weeks from now, four weeks from now, whenever there's a new open. Yeah, now it's, it's, it's their time. And that's what we've done. How we think about this, uh, that the, the, uh, we all learn the art of medicine, and they're really good doctors. Um, Indiana and U.S. trained doctors are very, very well trained here. Their hearts are in it. I know, I know many, many of them, hundreds of them. And, and they're saddened. They're broken at this point because they cannot practice the love of medicine that they went into. It is an art. And art takes time, like a fine piece of sculpture. You cannot see someone on 12, 15 different medicines in eight minutes. Right. Can't do that and do right. a good job. And that's important, too, because we hear a lot about, in direct primary care, working with physicians, the fact that we hear terms like burnout. We hear terms like, I can't be the kind of doctor I want to, so I'm leaving medicine altogether. But when it comes down to that, and you're telling a patient that has just been diagnosed with cancer, why you're leaving medicine, I don't think they really care. They're scared. They're alone. 
And it's like, well, that's great, doctor. You're professionally unhappy, but what about me? I could be dying here. Right. That's a totally different conversation. Is that something, is that conversation, does that resonate with a patient of, w, of, of Westfield Premier Physicians now that you're able to sit down with them and explain everything, hold their hand, and say, listen, you are not going to be alone no matter what these tests say, no matter what this diagnosis is. Absolutely. And and, and that just rings of a recent case uh, here. And he's a, uh, a young 52-year-old farmer. He is uh, busy, busy, um, doesn't have time to come in. Got him to come in finally uh, and just on routine testing here, discovered something that he needed attention. Did turn out to be a cancer. Um, I've called him multiple times i'm dealing with a specialist this time in the older days in the traditional medicine until we started this brand new practice and this wonderful way of loving medicine again i never had time to call people i made a house call i hadn't made a house call in 25 years you made a house call i made a house call (laughs) it was wonderful i had dust off my black bag uh had to find it dusted off and it was an elderly couple and, and they could drive they could have come down i said listen I'm just about ready to head home, and you're not out of my way here. Let me just stop in. There was a pause on, on, on the line. I said, you mean a house call? I said, well, I don't have a horse and buggy, but is that okay? And um, uh, they <laughs> met me at the door, and I, it was a wonderful experience. It was absolutely checked both their blood pressure. They were worried about whether they were having headaches and their blood pressure, reassured them here too, and, and I drove on home, and it was a great feeling to be able to do that, be able to service that patient. And again, it's, it's time. And I really feel that that is one of the most cherished gifts that this style of practice can give to our patients. And that's what they want with their doctor is time. Nice. Time to diagnose, to listen, yep. to think, to, to talk about alternatives, to set up the right specialists, pick out the right medications uh, here, work with their specialists, work with imaging if they need outside of the office. This is what they value, and we've given it back. We've taken it back from the insurance companies and the hospital owners of doctors, and we have now reestablished our time with our patients, and we love it. They love it. The only problem is it's going to keep me from retiring for many, many years because the love of medicine <laughs> has reentered our office, and absolutely it's a, it's a fantastic way to practice medicine. Yeah, they always say time is the one non-renewable resource. It's finite no matter what we do at this point in time. And um, no pun intended there, but to be able to give that and appreciate somebody else's worth and their, and, and, you know, to use it again, to appreciate their time and not take it for granted. I mean, that's so powerful on even a human level, let alone a patient or a physician level or um, any, any type of a healthcare sense. I mean, that just being a decent person. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and I, I'm not, you know, don't want to go out and say that anybody who makes other people wait on him is, is being indecent. But but that's really where if I have a health issue and I'm scared about something, I don't want to learn about it later. I don't want to have to be spending hours in a waiting room being nervous about it or unable to reach somebody who I know and trust. I mean, that's powerful. That is a powerful value add right there. Um, I wanted to ask you. So um, you've been in medicine for a very, very long time. Uh, you were the first physician uh, in your current community. You're still there. You're an icon up there. Everybody knows you. I'm still doing Friday night football games. What advice do you have for new physicians 
either going into medical school, going into residency, or even coming out of residency. I know that's a that's a very wide selection of people there uh, with different types of tips uh, here and there. But what is the one thing in your, oh gosh, stretching four decades of experience here that you would go back and tell to every single person who came into your office who wants to be a doctor? The first of all, I start there is, is number one, don't give up. There is a way to practice medicine that they would love, that they're trained for, that the patients would love them. The big problem with coming out of medical school, it is expensive. There is a debt load that, uh, and we've talked to many of these residents that are ready to make some decisions here. And the question always comes up is, what do I do about my debt? And this is where, again, the lure of contracts with hospitals and insurances, insurance companies, uh, is dangled in front of them. And, well, we can help you with your debt. Sign up with us, have a signing bonus, we'll guarantee you stay with five years. So initially the contract, it looks good. Say, okay, well, that's something I should do. The problem with that uh, is at the end of the five years in, in all of these contracts, there is called what's, a, what's called a restrictive covenant, which means if they don't re-sign with that same entity, then they're no longer allowed to stay in that building or in that vicinity. Many times 25 to 50 miles, they have to move away. They lose all their patients. They do not own the patient charts there. This is a huge quandary because many times they've established families, schooling, uh, housing, it all gave, and the community loses a very fine physician who perhaps grew up there, what wants to establish and roots there. So that's a trap they fall into. Those physicians that um, are getting, uh, are ending contracts, they, they have a, a way, and many times it may take some legal help, um, but they have a way to transfer and use um, businesses like your own, the Freedom Health Works, who are, is a fantastic business to help uh, transition um, a, a, a private practice into a DPC practice, take mm-hmm. care of the business side of it, which you know, many doctors are not privy to that, and that's not where our expertise generally that. Uh, lies. But, uh, wow, without uh, your help, it would have been uh, tough, but you guys made it a breeze and greased us right into it. Well, this that's, new practice. that's what we try to do. And for the record, you are not paid to say all those nice things about us. It's just <laughs> your own experiences there. So it sounds like the, if I could, could summarize, the, the one piece of advice you would say to any physician thinking about employed employed physician is to read your contract. Absolutely. Um, and it's okay to say no or negotiate. That is absolutely fine. Right. Get legal help. No, no question. If, if you feel that your debt load is such, you have to uh, entertain one of these contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, make it in your favor as much as you can. Uh, these are powerful groups out there, the hospital groups, the insurance groups, um, uh, and they have a lot of leverage uh, here too. But they also know the value of a physician mm-hmm. in their system. So uh, there very well could be some uh, some bargaining room, some wiggle room. Uh, build it in your favor and watch for that end of contract term that says uh, a restricted covenant or a certain mileage away if you choose to leave that entity. Right. There's That's a, a of, huge trap. A lot of roadblocks uh, potentially down the way. Well, there you go. There's uh, uh, some sage advice uh, from a physician who been practicing for quite a while, sees the value in independence practice. So thanks for coming by the studio today. I appreciate it. Uh, any closing thoughts? 
Uh, we're at uh, westfieldpremier.com. Um, we've uh, worked on the website. We continue to tweak it, I think, like any business uh, and practice. Uh, we love it. You can stop by anytime. Uh, we have free uh, meet the doctor sessions. If you'd like come in and meet us, talk about the practice, how to get in, how uh, uh, the payment schedules go, uh, all that is uh, uh, coming. In fact, we had a couple last Friday night and came in and talked to all three of us, Dr. Mary Pat and Dr. Lane. They were there for an hour and a half. We, we absolutely had... Enjoying the free coffee. Uh, you know, we had a ball. Uh, they were telling the stories, we were telling the stories, and they ended up uh, joining uh, Monday mornings. They said, well, let's think about it, but we're sure we're in. But no, we, we have Meet the Doctor sessions that uh, adapt to uh, the patient schedule. Uh, come by, take a look at us, call us. Perfect, there you go. Westfield Premier Physicians, westfieldpremier.com, Dr. Bob Habig. I am your host, Christopher Habig. That's it for today's episode. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Remind you to go ahead and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. More subscribers mean we keep on doing this thing and keep spreading the word about direct primary care. Thanks for tuning in to Healthcare Americana. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com.